Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. And this is Seller Roundtable number 42. And today we are talking international listings with Yana Krekic. Welcome, Yana. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me today. I am so excited to have Yana here because I met her at uh, Global Sources. Well, actually, I saw her in China before then. She's a world traveler. <laughs> and <laughs> she did this really cool presentation. And you guys all know how much of a listing optimization nerd I am. And so to hear Yana talk about it was so cool because she writes international listings and she did this presentation at Global Sources that was so cool explaining keywords and how it's not so simple just to translate your listing using Google Translate and how different words and different languages matter, especially when it comes to SEO and keywords. So. Yana, we're so happy to have you on today to talk to our audience about your passion for languages and keywords. And I know we have many listeners that, um, that are thinking about going international or have already gone and need to improve their listings. So um, yeah, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to speaking today and to just, you know, telling people out there, like, go and go try other international markets. People freak out because of the language barrier, mostly because, you know, like we as English speakers, we all think that, you know, everybody can speak English, which is, you know, mostly it's true. But like when you're selling online, this kind of way of thinking can cost you a lot of money. And you really have to, you know, uh, explain to people what you're selling. You have to have a clear descriptions. So it's everything is about clearly written content. And don't expect somebody to buy your product written in English, let's say on a French market or Italian market, because they're not going to be sure about the ingredients, what the product is for, how to use it. And then just people freak out and then just go to your competitor, even though your price is better and, and stuff like that, you know. So that's something to like really bear in mind while selling internationally. Yeah. So um, I would love to have you start by, um, well, of course you said you were going to share your screen and, um, and we'll, we will definitely make sure that we speak to the slides as well, because for those listeners that are listening via our podcast, we want them to get a visual of kind of what's going on as well. But the, for those that are watching on our Facebook page, uh, they can also see, see your slides. And uh, we can start by uh, you telling us a little bit about you and your company and how you kind of got started uh, in your business. Right. So um, we've been around for almost two years. Uh, my company name is YLT Translations. Uh, everybody asked me, like, what is it? This is like Yana language or something. Actually, YLT stands for Your Listing Translations. And uh, we've been around for almost two years, uh, let's say a year and six or seven months or so. Uh, and uh, we've built a team of 42 people. Um, native translators, also my project manager, um, assistant, graphic designer. So we have a pretty, pretty big team now. And we do about, you know, depending on the month, but we do a couple of hundred listings every month to all European markets. And we also do Japanese and Mexican market as well. Wow. That is 
that's a lot. Congratulations on building such an amazing large team and also getting to be a world traveler and, and speak all over about what you do. That's so awesome. Yeah, Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. That's basically my dream come true because I really like to travel. But I just want to I just want to say one thing. I was the worst public speaker ever, ever in March this year. Uh, I was cool, you know, when doing like web summits and stuff like that. But like March in Prague was my first big conference. And it, it was absolutely horrible. I sounded like Android robot, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> awesome. You know, it was just like so unnatural. And then like eight months later, I just feel so much more comfortable and I just, you know, don't feel the need to like sound like a robot or something. <laughs> so, you know, for everybody out there who's like freaking out about anything they, they want to do in their life, just go and do it, especially if you're an online business, because like what can happen in like seven or eight months online, it takes like five years offline. So basically that's, that's what you need to do. Just do what you have to do and that's it. Put yourself out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, we will have you share your screen and we'll get started. Cool. So yeah, the first thing I mentioned was that you really have to know your market and you have to know what, who are you talking to and to your audience on the different marketplaces. So, and it's all about clearly the descriptions, right? So I like to take an example, which I call it the French mom test. So actually the French mom test is like this pregnant lady, she's pregnant with her second child and she's like looking to find like a diaper bag. And here um, you can see that the diaper bags, the one is written in English, the first one, and three others are written in French. And basically she likes this one, the English one, but you know, it's in English and she's not sure. It's not only about the French people, it's also about the Germans, Italians, you know, they don't want to be unsure about what they're buying especially if it's like for their kids is it going to be like safe if it's going to be convenient for the for mother is it like you know if it's plastic if it's bpa free all these information people can a little bit skeptic and actually i wrote in bar um i, I read at harvard business review that actually 56.2 percent of people say that the language was more important than the price which actually is the case with this bag, because this bag uh, costs maybe a little under 30 euros, and it has only four reviews. And when you compare it to other three bags, which are written in French and they're more expensive, they have more reviews and they're selling better, you know? So basically you should watch out for not leaving any of the English listings on other international markets, or just even having something which sounds like a lot of mumbo jumbo because, you know, content is really important for people who want to buy your product. So how, how often do you find English listings on, um, you know, in, in a French market like this? Well, you, you can find, you can find a lot of those basically on German and French market, Italian. Usually when people have a lot of products, they just uh, translate maybe their one of their best sellers and then left, let, let, leave just like 20 other ASINs written in English. Cause like they're going to get back to that later, you know, and they're basically, uh, yeah. And that's kind of, they want to save money or whatever they want to do with it. But I don't think it's the, the, the right way to do it. Um, some people might search for some um, English words or English keywords because also when you do keyword research, sometimes like an English combination of long tail keywords shows up. 
So obviously some people search for uh, these products like in English. Also like if you have, uh, we've recently had some uh, sports equipment and then for those products people will, would search for that in English. So in these cases, sometimes it's okay to have an English keyword or something which makes sense to be called in English, maybe you know, more internationally on some market, but usually like listings should be written in the, in the target language of the, of the market you're trying to sell on. Got it. And I even see that here in your example, this skip hop Highline convertible diaper backpack. Uh, convertible diaper backpack might be a keyword that is more um, well-known in English, but then right after that, you can see the French part yeah. of the title. So um, they've kind of used a little bit of both, whereas this other one that you're showing is completely in English. So you don't get that warm fuzzy that it's meant yeah. for the French Yeah, it also market. really depends on the product. You know, for some products, it's absolutely okay to have like this product, like half of the title is gonna be like in English because maybe they're gonna be like a lot of English keywords there. And then the half, the other part of the title is gonna be in French or some like German or some other language because it just makes sense but it doesn't make sense always you know it doesn't make sense to for certain products to even have some english keywords because it just sounds weird on the german market for the german market is really a, uh, a market where you don't want to have too many of english words in your listing got it yeah um basically this this brings another topic and that is um why should people not just translate their keywords, you know, into other markets and just kind of, you know, why shouldn't we just take this diaper backpack and just translate it in Google Translate and give it, you know, and give it like a different meaning in, in French and just use it in the title. Um, because, you know, that's just not how you want to do it because every keyword uh, has to be researched separately for each market because it's not necessarily that this diaper backpack bag exists on the French market in exactly that form that it's like consists of three different words. It's a long tail word. Maybe it's like, maybe this is going to be great backpack. You know, there's going to be like high search volume and not this one like this, you know, so like different combinations um, are possible for each market separately. That's why people should not, you know, touch them and like Google translate them or anything like it. And also, I always like to say that, you know, you never should use like this guy, for instance, Kevin, 22 from Liverpool, you know, like he studied in Italy and, you know, he's good at languages. Like, should you use this guy to do your, do your um, listing translations? Is this now, like the Kevin we hire on Upwork, right? Yeah, this is Kevin from Upwork or from... <laughs> Fiverr or from any of these websites and I mean some of these people they, they they probably know what they're doing and they know how to do the keyword research and everything but you know Kevin as your regular translator or let's say person who studied languages for, for a while what does he know about like Amazon listing what does he know about you know the lengths uh, how, does he even know how the algorithm works and what is a nine algorithm you know and the, the worst thing of all is because if you give the li listing to Kevin, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's not a copywriter, nothing, nothing close to the um, SEO, at least that he does something on Google um, industry. He would definitely fail the French mom test because this French mom would have Googled or like, you know, wrote on Amazon um, gray diaper bag. And if this is the keyword that's, for instance, for the, uh, French market and he didn't use it, the product would not show up, you know, or maybe right. Kevin would use something which is kind of too broad. So the product will show up with thousands of other products and be absolutely irrelevant for this, um, 
uh, keyword that you know somebody chose. So you really have to pay attention to what you are doing um, when it comes to keywords and when it comes to who is doing your, your listings. Uh, I'm not saying that you should never hire anyone on Upwork or never hire one, anyone on Fiverr, but you have to know for sure that they know the tools, that they know how to do it, that they understand why people are doing things the way they're doing on Amazon and you know why we're doing the translations this way and not the other way around. You know, Basically that they're not just a translator that speaks the language, but also someone that understands how to do listing optimization and why placement of keywords and, and how search engine optimization works. Exactly. So this person has to know more also about, you know, localization, you know, I'm, I'm going to also talk about that. I have really good examples when it comes to uh, comparing the U S and German market, because everybody seems to, uh, they want to go to the German market because it's like the biggest market in Europe and everybody wants to go there, you know. Um, but before that, I would just like to give a couple of very interesting examples when it comes to Google Translate. So basically, uh, this picture here, for those of you who cannot see the screen, it says made in Turkey, but like Turkey is a bird, not as a country, you know, because this is a fabric undined. This is what basically Google Translate. Dind is Turkey bird, like in French. So it's not a country at all. And so this is what Google Translate used to do about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. But Google Translate has actually got better. But it's far, uh, it's like really not that close to any of the human translation. Because basically, if you put, let's say we have this sweetened milk can, and if you put it in Google Translate, it's going to translate like on Spanish, and I'm sorry, my Spanish is horrible. La leche azucarada puede. This is what you will get in the Google Translate. And if you put this la leche azucarada puede in on Amazon, you're absolutely not going to get this condensed milk. You're going to get like, I don't know, some like Botox and like preparation. <laughs> it looks something. like a bag, a bag of sugar. There's a bag of, a bag sugar. of, of rose sugar. <laughs> yeah. It's just, and, you know, and some, uh, I think that's for diabetes, like a diabetes. Yeah. It says a sugar, sugar meter, you know, and you don't want to, you don't want your product, your, your contents milk to be ranked for like diabetes, right? And to like, you don't want to use the, these keywords in your PPC campaigns and start completely wrong, you know, because whenever you start selling internationally, you know, like Amazon gives you like this, like a fake advantage. So you basically get more than you deserve, you know, when you like this, like, um, it's like fake edge when you start. And yeah, you, the honeymoon um, period, the right? Honeymoon when you first period, launch, right? you get like two weeks or something of like a little bit of extra edge. And if you're yeah. wasting that, uh, selling your sweet and condensed milk as a bag of rose sugar, well, <laughs> then you might, you might not get anywhere, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, so you should uh, definitely not, I mean, as I said, Google Translate gets it right, you know, it gets better than it was before, but it's still not good enough and you should not trust Google Translate at all, you know. And the second example is also very interesting and it's about a kitchen faucet. So if you put faucet in Google Translate in Italian, you would get rubinetto, which exactly, that's actually a faucet. It's some sort of faucet, so it's not a mistake. But if you write rubinetto on the Italian market, you're gonna get like a vacuum cleaner, like vaporizer or something, like, I don't know, you know, like nothing to do with faucet. 
uh, and then you actually call the faucet you want to find miscalatore lavello. Like this is how you actually call the faucet, you know. And this is like, you know, because we, we, we had uh, the similar product. And then, you know, when people just kind of check Google Translate, one of our clients was like, um, are you sure this is the right product? And, you know, like all translators, they're like natives and, you know, they're like, okay, let's do keyword research. They do it, but they know how they would call this product and they check it, you know, on Amazon. And it's completely insane that you get actually, uh, uh, that you get uh, Rubinetto, which is a faucet, but not this kind of faucet that you're looking for. So completely like different than whatever Google Translate told you, right? <laughs> I might decide to change my mind and buy that chocolate fountain though. That looked pretty good. I know. I love this example. <laughs> this is why I left it. And I'm like, I like this chocolate fountain, Rubinetto <laughs> fountain or whatever, you know? Which means makes sense because you know fountain something goes like chocolate goes from the tap or whatever you know <laughs> I mean it makes some sense you know so that's a that that's a that's a no no so uh, when it comes to Google Translate um, it can it, it doesn't also understand context you know this is also very important because it can get like you can put like how to use my vacuum cleaner in Google Translate you'll probably figure something out right. But when it comes to like your brand or storytelling and stuff like that, Google Translate does not recognize context. So it, sometimes it will not connect the dots, you know, and this is really something you don't want in your listing. You don't want to sign like, you know, Chinese sellers on the U.S. market and stuff like that. You know, I just don't think it's, it's necessary. Um, also, when talking about how to know your markets, talking about localization, I think it's very important uh, to understand how the market works and who are your um, customers, also to understand the culture. It might sound like completely basic or something like, yeah, Jana, of course, you're gonna think about the culture and stuff, but you will be surprised how many people don't even think about actually investing time and money or anything into actual localization of their products. For instance, the German market is very interesting because you know a lot of people want to go there. It's the biggest market in Europe and it's a five-star market because all of the other countries that don't have Amazon, they're redirected and so everybody buys stuff from Germany. So that's you know pretty interesting and that's why you know a lot of people they have like a lot of big revenue and profit and sales because they're like a lot of customers. Also Japanese market is very interesting for for people, but I think they're very afraid because of the Japanese language. It's a completely different alphabet, and I just think that people are very intimidated by the whole market. Um, you also have to have like a very specific uh, product for, for the marketplace. So you have to be careful with what you wanna launch over there and to maybe lower your expectations. Um, from our experience, people wait for maybe a longer time, for maybe like a couple of months. Uh, before they can actually see some changes. So, you know, like when it comes to, I don't know, European uh, markets or German market, really good category are kids products. You know, everything with kids love, like glitter, face paint, like uh, crayons, everything. And literally you can see changes in like after two weeks. You can see like, oh my God, like my, my, my sales have gone up. But in J Japanese market, I just think you have to wait and wait and just be patient if you think you have like a really good product for that market. and because it's a really big market and I always say to people, you know, if they have a really 
good product for that market, if it's a good fit, then they should go and try definitely to, to do something uh, on that market. And I love that you bring that up because that's one of the biggest questions that I get is, uh, Amy, we're ready to expand. Um, where should we go first? And, um, and you know, should we go to Europe? Should we go to Japan? And I always say, well, go to that market, go, you, you have a browser, put in amazon.com dot, you know, UK, what are, you know, what are, I forgot what the, the extension is, right? But go and actually check it out and see, right. search for those types of products and see, just like you would on Amazon US, you want to look and see what the market looks like. And then if you don't see anything like your product, let's say, you know, you're, you, you, you have the, the baby mama backpack, right? And you don't see anything like that in Japan. Well, you, you want to make sure, number one, that you're searching for the right keywords, right? But number two, that that is something that's going to work in that market. So you might want to kind of study the culture a, a little bit so that you're understanding um, what do moms use in that capacity, right? Before you go completely into that market. So really great advice there. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't know who, who to ask or like, if you're like, how am I supposed to know what Japanese people like? It's very easy because, you know, as you said, um, you know, how would you check the products in the U.S. market? You would ask some U.S. people. I mean, you have like so many different like groups on Facebook who know their culture. You don't have to pay anything for it, you know, so it doesn't have to be a disaster from the very beginning. And, you know, like, for instance, we had like these, um, the, the cell phone cover with like really like this Pikachu little list monsters with like pink ears, you know, and it was like a very big hit in Japan, but you would always almost like just see it in Japan. You would not see it in France or in Spain, right? It's like exactly a good fit for that market. And you'll be like, okay, well, this is something which is very typical for the Japanese market. And then you ask people like, okay, uh, should I make it in glitter? Uh, you know, like Japanese um, uh, culture has completely different holidays than, you know, Christmas and other stuff like on the other part of, of the world. So you want to also dig in that in, into that as well. And you don't have a lot of competitors on that market. It's huge. And PPC clicks are 50% cheaper than it is on any of the other market worldwide on Amazon. So I think it's a really good opportunity. Uh, a lot of people complain about, you know, it's very takes a lot of time for the product to get to Japan, you know, but it's basically it takes the same amount of time when you're set, when you're shipping the product from the U.S. to Europe and vice versa. Basically, there's nothing uh, is not longer than that, and it doesn't. It's not like any more complicated than registering for pan-European um, business or sending it to the warehouse in U.S. Like basically, it's the same. Got it. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.